Ooh. 
Welcome, everyone. Good to see you today. Glad to have you in worship. My name is Aaron Rosenau, one of the pastors here at Faith. So good to have you. If you're here for the first time uh, joining us for worship, so good to have you here. Uh, if you're worshiping with us online, good to have you as well. Even if I can't see you, you're seeing me. That's great. Glad that you were able to uh, engage with us in worship today as well. A few announcements before we get started today. Um, we're continuing a series that we started a couple weeks ago uh, called uh, Questions of Faith. All these questions that Jesus asks his disciples, and we're going to get into another question like that as we get into our gospel reading today. Um, some of you had pictures taken for our photo directory uh a couple months ago, maybe three months ago, and you've been wondering, what about the photo directory? Well, we're still going to actually invite, if you did not have a chance to have your photo taken for our pictorial directory, this is your last chance. There are several sessions on March 14th, 15th, 16th, 18th, and 19th over at our Faith Ministry Center. Um, we'll get some more information about that in the bulletin announcements. Uh, there was an email that went out earlier this week uh, for all of you who are faith members, and uh, you may have gotten that email and, and read that. Last chance if you didn't get your pictures taken. Uh, speaking of last chances, uh, Easter is coming up in a few weeks, and we want to celebrate that with uh, decorating the, uh, the worship center here and at our faith ministry center with flowers, and so you can order flowers uh, for Easter. Those, this is the last weekend to do that. And also out in the, uh, in the commons is a bin for help for the homeless, and we're gathering in uh, just items to help those who are experiencing homelessness in our community, and this is the last weekend for that as well. Those are gonna be picked up on Wednesday, so uh, get those in. Uh, speaking of Wednesday, uh, during Lent we have... Uh, Midweek services on Tuesday mornings and Wednesday evenings, and you're invited over our Faith Ministry Center to join us there for our Lenten services. And on Wednesday evenings, before worship at 6.30, we have a meal at 5.30, and if you'd like to join us for that each week, then there's a sign-up for that, and we'd love for you to um, check that out. Look at your bulletin announcement for more information there. And then finally, uh, next Sunday, March 10th, we're going to have a congregational meeting at our Faith Ministry Center at noon. So it's after our late service at noon next Sunday. Um, you know that we brought in pledges for our capital campaign. And the biggest item of business at our, uh, our congregational meeting next Sunday is for the congregation to approve the expenditure of that money that comes in for our capital campaign. We'll give you an update on projects that we're planning and prioritizing those projects over the next few years. And so next Sunday at noon at our Faith Ministry Center for a congregational meeting. That's the announcements I have. I'm gonna hand it over to Eliza and the band. So uh, if you would stand please as we join worship of the Lord.
says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. Therefore, we all have to confess our sin and beg for forgiveness from our Lord. So let's do so now in silent confession for the Lord. See that you're shaping my 
We are weak, our flesh fails, our, our will fails us, and we are all sinners in need of God's grace, and he gives us grace, endless mercy. Every day, God's mercy is new. We're gonna hear in just a moment, Paul, in the book of Romans, saying all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified freely by his grace. That means that God counts us as perfectly right with him, not because of anything we do, not because we deserve it, but because Jesus was given as a substitute, a sacrifice for you. He took your place, the punishment you deserve, the death you deserve, he took that and gave you life forgiveness, salvation, freedom, newness, all in his grace and love. You are forgiven in Jesus. Please be seated.
We turn to the Word of God. Our first reading today is from Romans chapter 3. Paul says, Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now, a righteousness from God apart from law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. For the reading of our gospel, I invite you to stand as we hear from our Lord. In Mark chapter 7, The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. 
They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban, that is a gift devoted to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into the heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. He went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For what from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated. So we all have pet peeves, right? I mean, those things that are minor annoyances, really, but they really irritate us. For example, for me, it is people who drive in the left lane all the time, even when they're not going the speed of the flow of traffic and make you pass on the right side instead of the left. Total pet peeve of mine. Don't do that. Or, or when I'm meeting with someone and their cell phone goes off and no matter who it is that's calling, they take the, the phone call while we're at, in our meeting. Now I get it, there's sometimes when you really need to take someone's phone call and I'm, you know, I'm under no illusion that I'm greater than anybody else. But if we're meeting and we're having a conversation and someone calls, let them leave you a message and call them back after we're done with our conversation. You know, that's, I had someone, a guy I worked with years ago who did this all the time. Be in a meeting, he'd take a call, step out. Drove me absolutely nuts. So just one of my pet peeves. My wife even knows that if she calls and I'm in the middle of a meeting or a conversation with somebody, I'm gonna ignore the call and call her back when I'm able. Now, my wife, I'm sure, has pet peeves of her own. I'm guessing that one of them is that whenever she calls me, I don't answer the phone. 
We all have these particular things that annoy us, right? For some, it's people who use bad grammar or leaving the lights on all over the house, people who don't leave a tip at a restaurant, people who borrow things and never return them, people who are always late. We can go on and on and on, right? Pet peeves. Jesus had pet peeves. There's some things that really irked him. Just by reading the gospels, you can sort of figure this out. There's some things that really peeved Jesus and they irritated him because they really aggravate God. In Mark 7, what riled Jesus was hypocrisy. Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law gathered around Jesus. They started questioning Jesus about the practices of his disciples. So Mark 7, verse 5. And by the way, there are Bibles out on the chairs if you want to uh, look at those. If you're at home, you can pull up your own Bible or pull up your Bible app on your phone. You can certainly do that. And go to Mark 7. Mark 7, verse 5. Pharisees are asking, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? Now, by the way, this, this wasn't so much about good hygiene um, it, it was that the disciples were not going through the ceremonial washing, which is a sort of extended ritual washing that was commanded by the elders, the, the chief priests, and so forth. Well, Jesus pointed out that these same people, same religious leaders that are criticizing and judging others for not following the law, were themselves finding all kinds of ways of skirting around the law themselves. I'll give you an example. It's not in the New Testament, but demonstrates how religious leaders would work around the law. So in the Old Testament, the people of Israel were told, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then God expounded on that, further defined it by saying, on the Sabbath day, the seventh day, do no regular work. So one of the ways that the religious leaders interpreted that was to say, if you're gonna go to your neighbor's house for dinner on the Sabbath, you should not carry any dishes to their house because that would be extra work. Everything that's prepared should be prepared at that house and not have to be carried to do extra work. Now to understand this, in, in ancient times, often they were living in row houses, very much like condominiums, right? It's, just, it's one structure, but it's divided by walls to make certain units. And what they said it was not allowed was to walk out of unit D, for instance, with your meatloaf, your casserole or whatever, and go over to, you know, from unit A to unit D, walk along a sidewalk and bring your dish there because that's too much work. So here's, here's how they get around it. They actually build those row houses with that wall that's in between each unit with a little bit of a gap. It wasn't fully closed off. So unit A right next to unit B has got a little gap. You could put your hand through there. You could talk to people between uh, that, that gap in the wall so that it really technically is one structure. It's one house. And so if I walk out of the door in unit A and go down to unit D, I'm really not doing extra work because it's the same house after all, right? You see how they start to work around all these laws? And the thing is that with that, it gave the appearance that they are 
fulfilling the law. It gave the appearance of obedience, but really they were finding every way of skirting around the law. And the example that Jesus gives in Mark 7 is a matter of what's called korban. It's this, uh, the gift that's dedicated to God. Give it to the work of the kingdom, right? Give it to the synagogue, give it to the, uh, to the temple. Well, the law of God also said, honor your father and mother. And one of the ways that you honor your father and mother is that when they're elderly, you help them out in their needs. Because back in those days, they didn't have Roth IRAs and 401ks and all those you know, retirement funds that you fall back on in your retirement. You, when you're unable to work, then you rely on your kids and their family to help take care of you. But the religious crowd would get around that helping their parents by saying, whatever help I was going to give to you, it's actually Corban. This is a gift to God and his kingdom, and it is dedicated to him, so sorry I can't help you out. Now, it wasn't that giving to the Lord was a bad thing. They were commanded to do that. But it's like, you know, here I'll give 10% to my, to my parents as they have need, and I'll give 10% to the Lord. But instead of doing that, they'd say, well, that 10% that I was gonna give to you becomes my gift to the Lord. And then they don't help their parents at all and somehow get around it. And Jesus is looking at them doing this and he says, you know, you do all kinds of things like this. You hypocrites. That's what Jesus called them, hypocrites. This is uh, Mark 7, verse six. And the word hypocrite is actually a, a word that was used to talk about actors. Actors who put on a mask and pretend they are something that they are not. Those were the hypocrites. So if, if you have your Bible open, Mark 7, 6 and 7. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, Jesus said. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. That word vain literally means empty, right? Their worship is empty because their teachings are rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men, Jesus said. Now, I'll be, I'll be totally honest with you. When I read a section like this in the Gospels and I hear about Jesus quoting Isaiah chapter uh, chapter six or chapter 29 um, in, in Mark seven, I, I find it very easy to think about the hypocrisy of other people. I sort of wag my finger at, you know, the Pharisees are always the enemies of Jesus in the gospels. And they're like, yeah, you know, those hypocrites, shame on you Pharisees, what hypocrites? I even find myself able to think of a lot of people in our own day who are living as hypocrites, like governors and legislators who use a sort of laws for thee, but not for me, right? You ever heard that expression? They set things up in laws that are for all of us, but they're totally exempt themselves. Or I think of people in the Christian community who insist on doing things a certain way, like worship style or something. It has to be strictly traditional. You have to do it this way. And I think, 
wow, they sure are acting an awful lot like Pharisees. I feel that um, it's real easy to start pointing at them and labeling them as hypocrites. You honor God with your lips, but your hearts are far from him. Do you ever do this? You're listening to a sermon during worship and you think, oh man, I, I really wish my neighbor were here right now. Oh, I, I really wish my brother-in-law were here. He really needs to hear this message. You ever do this? Yeah, it's almost like you're, you're hearing the sermon for someone else instead of hearing it for you. Yeah, I do this. If, you're, if you do this, you're not alone. <laughs> but Jesus has this way, doesn't he? He has a way of turning the focus away from others and turning it right to you. And Jesus is speaking right to you. So I, I try to imagine being one of the disciples of Jesus here in Mark 7, and I've just witnessed this dust up between Jesus and the, and, uh, and the Pharisees. And I'm thinking, yeah, you go, Rabbi. You tell him, Jesus. You know, it's like, yeah. And then Jesus turns to the crowd and he says, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside of man can make him unclean. It's what comes out of man that makes him unclean. And then Jesus leaves the crowd. He goes into the house with his disciples. And, you know, so imagine we're one of, you know, we're among his disciples and, uh, and we ask him, uh, so Lord, can you explain what you meant when you said nothing that goes into a man makes him unclean, but rather what comes out of him makes him unclean? We're not quite sure what you mean by that. And then Jesus says, are you so dull. And for me, this is, it's like it turns the, the attention away from those I like to point my fingers at and say, yeah, shame on them. And then it's like <laughs> finger pointing straight at me, right? Don't you see? Now, it's, the disciples, you have to understand, these are people who were around Jesus all the time. They were supposed to be the ones to get it, Right? Back in Mark chapter four, Jesus actually told his disciples, you have been given the secret to the kingdom of heaven. You have been given the secret to the kingdom. But to everybody else on the outside, everything's in parables. So what does it mean? If I'm on the inside and Jesus is teaching me I should get it, everything he, is, he says I should, I should understand, everyone on the outside is in parables, it's confusing, so you get the disciples here who don't understand. And where are they standing? It sure looks like they're a lot like the people on the outside who are, everything's in parables, they don't understand. And Jesus is saying, are you so dull? But it's not just his disciples, is it? I feel like Jesus' question, are you so dull, has a way, it's like it reaches through time and it's right in my face. So it's actually a personal question to me. Are you so dull? And all of a sudden, it's a confrontation not with the Pharisees, not with the disciples, but it's a confrontation with me. 
In fact, this whole series during the Lenten season, we're talking about questions of faith. Two weeks ago, the question was, who do you say I am? Last week, do you still have no faith? This week, are you so dull? Right? Every single one of these questions is really not just for the disciples, it's for us. And I think why we did this during the Lenten season is because Lent is all about a time when we're supposed to take a step back and consider, where am I at? Where is my heart? Is my heart really following Jesus? Am I really understanding him? Or am I just dull? Is my heart hardened? That's next week's question. Is your heart hard? It's a question for us to wrestle with. Where are we at? And when I'm honest, when I'm honest, I have to hang my head and say, yes, I am that doll. I am just like the disciples, just like the Pharisees who are hypocrites, guilty as charged. Anybody with me? And this is exactly what we confessed earlier, right? Right before we sang the song and um, Eliza was mentioning these words from Romans chapter three, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one. Not a one of us can stand before God and say, hey, look at what I've done. No, we, we all, hanging our heads to Jesus' question, saying, yep, I'm one of them, guilty. But this is exactly why Jesus came. You are exactly why Jesus came. Why, and this is what Jesus is gonna say in Mark 10, later in the gospel. Jesus says the son of man, he's talking about himself, the son of man has come to lay down his life, to give his life as a ransom why Jesus hung his head on the cross is for all of us who hang our heads in shame and saying, yeah, I am that doll. The Bible tells us over and over that God opposes the proud and the arrogant, but shows grace and love and mercy to those who are broken, those who are broken in spirit, those who are broken and contrite and sorry for their sin. That's who Jesus came to die for. My challenge to you is allow that question to the disciples and all the other ones we're gonna talk about here in the next few weeks to really stir in your spirit, stir in your mind, and come to that place where you recognize just how much you need a savior. And recognize that you are exactly the kind that he came to save. That's why he's called savior. Amen? a time in our worship when we uh, respond to God's grace and mercy and giving back. On the screen, there are some ways that you can give, either by texting or going online and giving. 
You can give in the baskets that will be passed um, down each row. Uh, however that is that you choose to give, if you choose to give, um, just say thank you. You are helping us to do the ministry of sharing that good news of salvation in Christ with, uh, with our church, with our church family, and everyone we, have, we come in contact with. Just build this ministry of the church as we build our lives on Christ. Let's sing.
Jesus, help us to build our lives not on our own efforts, not on our own intelligence, strength, ability, our own righteousness. We certainly have fallen short. Help us to build our life on you, on your love, as a firm foundation, putting our trust in you alone so that we will never be shaken. Whatever comes, whatever joys and challenges we face, we will be secure because our trust is in not, not in ourselves but in you, the rock that stands forever. God, we pray especially for those who are physically in need of your healing and encouragement. Pray for Brian Girock and Ruth Ann Koss who are recovering from surgery and Jean and Dottie Weber who are recovering from surgery and, and being in the hospital. And we pray for Jeannie Leitzen and Bruce Smith who face some surgery coming up this next week praying that you would bring strength to them physically, but especially give them strength of faith to build their life on your love as their firm foundation. Help them, Lord, to trust in you above all things. Gracious God, as we're coming to your table of mercy to receive again the body and blood of Christ, in the bread and the wine, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we pray that you would move in us in the spirit to understand our, our brokenness before you, to come before you in humility, with repentance, and with that faith that takes hold of the assurance that we are forgiven in Christ. God, we pray that you would assure us through this meal, strengthen us by your Holy Spirit and send us from here ready to live our lives for you, service to others, strengthened by your grace. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it gave it to his disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me.
I invite you now to turn to one another and greet each other in the Lord as you prepare to come forward for the Lord's Supper. was a wretch I remember who I was I was lost I was blind I was running out of time sin separated the breach was far too wide but from the far side of the chasm you held me in your sight so you made a way across the great divide left behind heaven's throne to build it here inside and there at the cross you paid the debt i owed broke my chains freed my soul for the first time i had hope thank you jesus for the blood applied thank you jesus it has washed me white
This body and blood of our Lord Jesus continue to strengthen you in faith and know that you're forgiven. Go in peace. Amen. Please stand. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his, his peace. Amen.